So as I mentioned earlier, we're continuing our sermon series this morning called uh, The Star. Uh, it's, well, our sermon series is not as much based on the, the movie that just came out, uh, but our kids are walking the same uh, themes with us, and they will be, uh, they've watched clips of the new D Disney, or it's not a Disney movie, but the new, uh, who made that movie anyways? Somebody did. Uh, the new cartoon that just came out, and, uh, and so we've been journeying through uh, the different themes of Advent, and so we, we began by talking about hope, and last week we talked about love, and uh, this week we're going to be talking about peace, and we've actually flipped the themes of peace and joy. Uh, you might wonder who gave me authority to flip the church calendar. I... I just took it upon myself, don't tell anybody, uh, but just because of the nature of those who are sharing, it just made it easier to flip those two. Uh, so in a few moments, we're going to have uh, Kim Nordmark uh, share with us this morning uh, some of her story. Uh, but just to recap a little bit, uh, Advent uh, means coming. And so when we talk about the Advent season, we're talking about uh, waiting for God to come, waiting for God to show up. And I don't know if you have moments in your life where you have waited for God to show up and he hasn't shown up in the time that you would like or in the way that you would like. And specifically as we think about peace this morning, uh, to bring peace to your circumstances, maybe he hasn't shown up in the way that you would like him to do. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this intense lack of peace. I, I want to share a little bit of a story with you. For the last few years, um, every night at around 11.56, there's an alarm that goes off in my house. And it drives me crazy. And, I, and for, for years, I could not find where this alarm was. So every night at 11.56, um, whether I was sleeping, whether I was awake, we would hear this alarm go off. And, and, and Lisa and I were just like, where is this stinking alarm? And, and so often we would have like this, you know, this courage to get up out of our sleepy bed and say, we're going to find this thing tonight. We are finding it. And, and it would go off for about, you know, three or four minutes. And so, uh, you know, we had like a specific window of time to track down this alarm. And for years, we like, we'd like leave the bedroom we look in the kids' room, we look through like our toy bins, we go into the main room, and it's like, one, you know the, when you can just kind of hear something, but you can't tell where it's coming from, what direction, it's like one of those things, just super annoying. And so for years, we'd search these things, we looked high and low for this, and then uh, a year and a half ago, or, or sorry, a month and a half ago, uh, you know, Lisa had this idea, uh, you know, she was, she was listening around for this alarm, and she's like, it sounds like it's like coming from our bed. And, uh, and sure enough, between our mattresses, like way stuck deep in there, we had one of our kids' watches that was, that was just stuck in there for years. And uh, so praise the Lord, we found it. Peace has now come back to the Dick household. And we're enjoying full night sleeps right now, which has been great. In Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, it says, uh, for us... For a child is born to us, a son given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can you guys say Prince of Peace? Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. So the Jewish people were awaiting this prince. They were awaiting this king. They were awaiting this Messiah to come and bring peace. External peace is what they were looking for. Peace, as we've mentioned, from uh, the Roman, those who were the Romans who were over them, bringing Roman occupation, they were in oppression underneath the Romans. This peace that would result in no suffering, that they would finally be on top of the world, that the, the Jews would be ruling, and so they were awaiting this Prince of Peace. And we talked about how people wait last week, and I, I just want to review that quickly. I don't know how you wait. Uh, but there's different Jewish people, uh, di different Jewish groups that waited in different ways. And at first we had the Essenes. And the Essenes, you know, they waited and they thought, you know, why isn't God showing up? How many of you guys asked that question? How, why isn't God showing up in my life? Ever asked that question before? And so th they were waiting for this Prince of Peace and they were asking questions. Why isn't God showing up? We're expecting him. And so the Essenes thought, 
You know, the reason he's not so showing up is because we're kind of married in with the Roman culture and we have to completely separate ourselves. So they, they thought they would separate themselves and they would go off in isolation by themselves. And they thought if we could isolate ourselves, the God would be happy with us. And then he would come and then the Prince of Peace would come, the Messiah would come. Other Jewish groups, uh, such as the Zealots, thought, no, we don't need to isolate ourselves. We actually just need to go fight the sword Fight the sword with the sword. You know, if we think back to our own history, right? There was David and Goliath. There was Moses and the Egyptians. And we have these people in our faith history that fought those who were in power and God honored their faith. And so they thought we just need to fight back. And if we fight back, then maybe peace would come because God would honor uh, that faith. Then there's the Herodians who were thinking, this is useless. If you can't beat them, just join them. Peace isn't coming because you're expecting God to show up, but he's not going to show up. You know, peace will come when you come under, just go with the flow, go with the wave, and just kind of align yourselves with Rome. Life will be much more peaceful, much easier if you do that. And then lastly, we had the Pharisees who just thought that they needed to be more righteous than they were. You know, Moses gave us the law. God, God told us through the law how to live. And the, the reason that the Messiah isn't coming, the Prince of Peace isn't coming, is because we're not living in a holy way, we're not living in a righteous way. And if we were to live better lives, God would show up. See, the thing is that God did show up. God did show up. The Prince of Peace did show up. And this is, this is the story of Christmas. And each of these Groups, many people in these groups did not receive Jesus. They did not um, bow their knee to him as king, as Messiah, as the Prince of Peace, because he didn't show up in the way that they were expecting. And I wonder how many of us miss out on what God wants to do in our lives because we're expecting him to show up like this and he shows up in a different way. And our expectation actually it actually forces us to miss what God is doing among us, in us. In Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. See, Jesus is not interested in political rule. He is interested in heart rule. Jesus knows that the, the problem in this world is the corruption of the human heart. And so before he changes circumstances, he wants to change the circumstances in our hearts. In Philippians 4, 6-7, as our worship team read this morning, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So don't worry. Pray. Give thanks, regardless of what your circumstances are, give thanks to God for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And so my, my hope and my prayer this morning is that you would get a glimpse of God's peace, regardless of what circumstance you come this morning in, what your story is. I don't know each of you. I don't know each of your stories. Um... But I know that all of our stories have a level of chaos, a level of disappointment, a level of things that happen in our lives that we can't control and we can't fix. And so what do you do when you're experiencing chaos and you can't control it, when stuff is happening in your lives and you can't fix it? I believe that the Prince of Peace comes not necessarily in the way that we expect him to or the way that we want him to, but in a way uh, where his peace comes into our hearts. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, uh, Prince of Peace uh, can bring peace, and that's what Christmas is about. So this morning, uh, I'm going to invite my friend Kim uh, to stage. You guys can give her a hand as she makes her way. Oh, she's already done here. Look at that. Surprised me. There you go. You're welcome. So this is Kim, and I've had the uh, privilege of getting to know Kim uh, over these last, uh, I guess, couple years, almost, almost two years. Um, and I got to, I wish I would have gotten to know Kim under different circumstances. Um, 
but it was a, it was a crisis that brought us together, as sometimes happens in, in church life. Um, you know, I get to meet people uh, kind of when things uh, are at their lowest point for them. And uh, it's been a privilege that we've got to know each other outside of even that point. And so uh, I appreciate Kim's vulnerability and being willing to share her story. And I think it's going to be uh, an encouragement uh, for us. Um, so, uh, Kim, let's just kind of dive right into it. Uh, I know this, this isn't easy in many ways. Um, but uh, can you share with us a little bit uh, about that day, uh, what, the day that we're going to refer to a few times, uh, that forced me to meet you. Okay. Well, I don't know if... Is this on? I think it will be on if you keep... Yeah? Um, I, I don't know if uh, everybody knows that I have a daughter, um, Tova. And uh, so March 7th of 2016, started up like any other day, I had... Uh, Actually, the night before, I should start there. The night before, we had gone to a restaurant to um, celebrate Tova's cousin Bryn's 18th birthday. And uh, the girls were really excited about uh, celebrating this milestone. Um, Bryn's birthday was the next day, and uh, Tova's would be on April 16th. So they were excited about that. So we were at the restaurant, and... Tova left before us, and uh, she left her purse there. So um, I took her purse, and, and then she uh, called me, and she said, Oh, Mom, did you grab my purse? And I said, Yeah, I, I have. And she said, Well, can I meet you? Because she was staying at a friend's that night. And she said, Can I meet you, and you can give me my purse? And I said, Well, no. I mean, we're going grad dress shopping tomorrow night. I'll, I'll give it to you then. So she said, That's fine. We'll see you tomorrow night then. So then Monday, I uh, was working, and uh, 10 o'clock, I had uh, had a break. I got in the shower to shower, and I heard this banging on the door. Bang, 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 bang. And wouldn't quit, wouldn't quit. So I jumps out of the shower, and I put my robe on, round to the door, and there's two police officers standing there. And, uh, you know, come on in. And uh, they asked me what I drove, and I told them. And then they asked me if there was anybody else in the house that had a vehicle, and I told them. And then they said, you know, it was kind of a weird conversation. They were asking me things about, well, where's, where's your daughter now? And I said, well, she's at work. Would you like to talk to her? Well, no, they didn't need to talk to her, but there had been an accident. And I thought, oh, Lord, Tova hit somebody. And then they, and then I wasn't sure if it was a hit and run or what what was going on. And then they said, you know, a couple more things went by. And then they said, uh, actually, there's been a fatality. And I said, oh my lord, Toa killed somebody. Like I, I just that was my very first thought. And they kept on asking more questions because there was no ID in the vehicle. Well, no, because I had Tova's purse. So anyway. It was a little weird, everything was... But they asked me what she looked like, and I ran to the table because her grad pictures had just come that day, or the day before, and I hadn't opened them yet. And I opened them up, and I said, well, this is her. And they were talking amongst themselves and talking outside and coming back in and trying to figure out because... Or who, you know, exactly there was who was in this vehicle. And then I remember when it kind of started to sink in, they, they were asking me more personal questions about Tova. And then they, when it finally hit me, they had asked me what color was her fingernail polish. So then I told them, and they hung their heads. And my brother came, and uh, we went to the medical examiner's office and and even then I was thinking there's got to be a mistake this has to be a mistake and we'll just get it cleared it up and I am so sorry for this girl that has passed but it can't be told and so the uh, we were sitting in this room and the medical examiner put the computer picture on and 
there was Toba. And it was, it was such an, uh, I can't even describe that feeling when I actually realized it was her. I couldn't breathe. I ran outside. I'm standing there trying to get some breath in me and looking around and seeing the worlds just going on. Birds were singing, vehicles were driving, and I just, it was so hard to put together these things that were happening inside of me. Um, we left from there and I went back to the house and I just, I wanted Tova to feel loved. I called the kids, I had the kids come over. I just wanted her to feel us. My sister came from Grand Prairie on the first flight she could. My best friend came and Matt came. And it was just like, every time I said, I can't do this, I can't do this, God. He would send me somebody like the kids. He'd send me Carla, he sent me, you know, Matt. It was just, and I, I remember saying to him, I can't do this by myself. There is no way I'm going to make this. And, I mean, it was, it was so, it, he was there, like, right from the beginning, even when I... I said, you know, my prayer was, Lord, there's that hole. There's this big black hole, and I don't want to fall down it. And you have to keep me on the edge. That was my beginning. Yeah. Now, many of us didn't have the, the privilege of knowing Tova. Can you just take a minute and describe oh, what she was like? Yeah. She was such a kind person. She, uh, she loved to laugh. Everything was funny, or she could find a joke in it. She was very intelligent. She had, her and Prin had gone to uh, Africa uh, the, the summer before and had done their studies to courses in Africa uh, so that she could be done in January. And uh, she finished her school. She worked at a barn. She loved horses. Um, she worked at a barn. She worked at Mark's Moxie's. She was a very hard worker. She had lots of integrity, and uh, she had lots of plans. She was going to go travel. The Middle East was her next destination. She loved to travel, loved to have fun. Yeah. And, you know, even you don't know how far um, her, her reach was, but I, through this process, I've met some wonderful people that are uh, truly my friends in this grief group. And uh, she was going, one of my friends was going to England to uh, visit her stepson there. And so she had taken pictures of our three kids. There's four of us that chum around a lot together now. And so she had taken pictures of all our kids and she was going to this church in England to, to light a candle and pray for our kids. And uh, the, her son, her stepson, when he looked at her picture, he says, oh, I know her. And Holly said, you know her? How do you know her? And she, he said, I've, I've seen a video of her. And so he had known some people that she had gone to Africa with. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know Tova well, but, my, um, but the connection came because Tova came on a Mexico trip uh, the year, or was it the year prior to that? Um, and so when I was leading the Mexico trip there for years, that was uh, where I met where I met Tova. Um, you know, in, in Scripture, it talks about, uh, you know, light and darkness. And, you know, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And, and often we experience God's light most profoundly uh, in moments of darkness. Um, and so before we talk about the light and the peace and, um, and some of these things that we'll get to in a minute, um, can you just describe, you, you kind of, in that place you're in, you describe it as a black hole. You were kind of on the edge. Uh, can you just describe as much as you're able that, that darkness or that grief or, mm-hmm. or what that was like? Uh, not only when, you, when it happened, obviously, but also um, in the months and years mm-hmm. since. Initially, when it happened, and, and I'm standing out there at that medical examiner's office, and I'm, I'm thinking, God, I can't, I can't do this. 
Please, please just take me. I can't be here without her. And that was my prayers. If I knew, like I would, I would ask, would it be okay? Would we still be together if I did this? And I kept waiting for an answer, and he didn't answer. Because I really, I really wanted to. I really wanted to be with her. Nothing else mattered. I think uh, anybody that has lost a child would relate to that feeling. Um, and when he didn't answer, and this hole that I could, I could touch it, I could just reach out and touch it, and I even knew if I went down it, it would be very, very difficult to get back up. Mm-hmm. So my prayer was, don't let me fall. Mm-hmm. Don't let me fall. And he kept putting people in my life that were there to help me, like that first few days, I, my sister came. And she was right there, like she did everything that needed to be done. And we were, I remember us laying in bed and I'd wake up in the night and she'd wake up and she'd say, just breathe. That's all you have to do is just breathe. Mm -hmm. And she'd lay there with me and we'd take breaths together. I mean, it's it's the most, I can't even describe the feeling of a grief of loss of a child. There's no words that come to my mind. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you have people like that, um, thankfully you introduced me to Fran. Mm-hmm. Fran was a great support to me, still is. Um, you know, when you find people in your life that you share this special bond with, it's, uh, it, it does make it easier. It truly does. Yeah, yeah so... She's referring to, to Fran Brown, who many of you know, uh, been around SunWest since its inception and uh, lost her son, Aaron, I don't know, would it be about 15 years ago? I know Fran was here. Am I right, Fran? 15 years ago? Um, and uh, you know, even going back to the light theme, you know, G- Jesus says, you know, I'm the light of the world. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in Matthew, it refers to uh, the church as being uh, like a city on a hill, a light on a hill. Um, and the, the source of light is not ourselves, but it's the presence of Jesus in us. Um, and just to even pick on Fran for a little bit, can you, can you tell us, um, you know, why and how Fran was able to bring hope and peace and, and light into a dark situation? Well, just knowing that she understood exactly how I was feeling knowing that she had lost hers too. Um, that was such a comfort because I knew I was talking to somebody that understood. Um, she and We went to the Compassionate Friends together. She introduced me to more people that were grieving. That was a source of comfort. Um, we prayed together. I, I mean, it was just a, a special bond that we have, now have between us. Um, I just, it's important to be with people that understand. So, you know, because grief doesn't, it doesn't have a time limit on it. And some people that don't experience deep grief feel like you should be able to get on. But they don't real, they don't understand it's a part of you now. This journey will never end. It's, uh, it changes you. And it's a part of you, who you are. So, Kim, when you think of peace um, in the midst of deep pain and grief, in the midst of something that has happened that you can't control or fix, um, how have you experienced peace? First, I know that uh, the questions would come, why, why, why? And I would shut them down because I thought there's no, there's no point in, in focusing on why. Why did this happen? If only all those questions that come up in my you know, in people's head, but I, I would shut them down and say, I don't know why this happened. Lord, you know why. I'll ask when I get there, but probably by that time, it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. It's not going to matter why it happened then, mm-hmm. when we're together again. So um, I, I truly tried not to focus on the whys, you know, in such a great time in her life. Why now? Um, 
I've, I've focused on just, you know, healing and him being with me. So at the beginning, I couldn't even, I didn't even know what to say. Like when I cried out, it was just help me. Mm-hmm. That was all that was, it was. And like I said, then, then he would put people and, and things in my life that helped me along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, right after it happened, there happened to be, uh, I was visiting with Tova over at the funeral home and Carla was waiting for me outside. And out of all these pieces of paper on this, on this um, desk, she pulls out one that this uh, guest speaker was going to be there the next night in Calgary. Um, Oliver was putting on this guest speaker and wow, you know, like, wouldn't that be great? So she phoned and sure enough, we got in and we all went down to this guest speaker. He was really good. I can't remember his name now, but that's part of me. But um, he was really good. And then I went to grief share over at First Alliance. You know, he put that in my path. And and then Alberta Health Services, there was a grief support group there. And I mean, and then these, this compassionate friends, mm-hmm. there's always been something that he's helped me put there so that it'll help me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know along the way you've encountered other uh, parents that have lost kids. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to be an encouragement even in those conversations? Well, yeah, you know, I remember the very first month that I went to Compassionate Friends and there was people there older that had been on the journey longer and I was, oh, I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to, for this pain to be that. And then, you know, as the time went on, now when I go, I am, you know, I see the new people coming in and I feel the pain that there was right at the beginning, but that the pain does lessen if you, if you let it. And, and I think that's part of it. You have to let it because there are people that get stuff, stuck in grief and don't ever let go. I mean, there's people in that group that, you know, you know, it's four years in now and they're still taking medication. And mm-hmm. So it, it is a choice. You have to choose to move on from the grief yeah. from that point or from that, that very bad place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so incredible to me how um, uh, often when we think about, you know, God, where are you? Um, that his presence shows up in the form of other people mm-hmm. when we have the eyes to see it. Um, and I don't think it's any coincidence that in Scripture it calls uh, his church the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? That we're the, the, the presence of Jesus in, in the world, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I just I look at how... You know, Fran was able to be a tangible form of Christ in your mm-hmm. life, and now you've been able to bring hope and peace and encouragement to others in those situation. I think that's so, so neat, and so often how God redeems these uh, difficult parts of our stories. Um, can you share a little bit about the relationship between uh, grief and peace? Uh, I know we chatted a bit about it last week, but um, you know how often we think. Peace is the result of perfect circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then you, and then something like this happens, and all of a sudden, grief and pain and peace, they're all coexisting in a messy relationship. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that mess a little bit? Well, like I said, I, you have to choose peace. I don't think it's, it comes naturally, or it's, as a Christian, I don't know what non-Christians, how, how they can relate to this, but... As a Christian, I had to choose. I, you know, I, I said, you know, God, I'm going to stand on everything you ever promised in the Bible. Mm. And, uh, and that brought me peace. Like, every time I, I prayed and, and said, you know, you, you made these promises, and now I have to live here on this earth until it's my turn to go. Um, you have to... You have to come through with me now. You have to come through with those promises. And and he has. Like, um, yeah, there's bad days. There's no question about that. But there is this inner peace that I know that I will be together with Tova again one day. Mm-hmm. I think when you describe kind of that, that dark, the darkness... Um, and 
it's easy to slip into uh, when something happens outside of your control. And, and many of us can't relate to uh, losing a child, although there are select few, unfortunately, that can. But uh, there are others that can relate to circumstances in life uh, that happen to them that were outside of their control that aren't fixable. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no quick fixes. And, and so they're living in the midst of that type of mess. Uh, what would you say as an encouragement to those uh, living in that space? To find people that can relate, that you feel totally relatable, that you're not being judged, that you can say anything to and know that they understand. Um, if you can find a, a Christian element to it, all the better. You know, if you can, if you can attach, um, get into a program like Grief Share that's offered through the churches, that's an amazing start for sure. It helps really put it into perspective um, in a Christian way when, how this all happens, why it happens. You know, we're, it's great. It's a it's a good course and and to find a church, find a church that um, you feel comfortable with, that uh, you have a great pastor, and uh, you know just hang on, just hang on to every anything you can. <coughs> Just don't let yourself go down that hole. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I know that you were, um, you have some family here with you, and just uh, and acknowledge that this is a journey that involves a whole family, and yeah. Carla and Corey and Brent, yeah. thanks for uh, being here this morning uh, yeah. with Kim yeah, and for journeying with her. That's the other thing. Family is so important. Family and good friends. Lean on them. Because, you know, if they are true friends and family, they'll... They'll help you up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. This this verse I yeah. heard, and this really is helpful um, on mine. It's Hebrews six eighteen nineteen. So God has given both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope. But I've put peace in there as well hope and peace that lies before us. This hope and peace is a strong, firm, and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Amen. That's awesome. I like that one. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kim, for being vulnerable and uh, allowing us to be a part of your story this morning. Is it okay if I pray for you? Yes, please do. Um, Father, we, uh, we thank you for Kim. Um, and Lord, we thank you uh, just for uh, that she is uh, reflecting your light, you know, a light that has shone on the darkest of days. Uh, and Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that brings to many of us, Lord, who encounter times in our life that uh, we don't know what to do. Um, but we recognize even in her story, Lord, that, uh, that you show up when we have eyes to see it. And Lord, I pray that you would give us all eyes to see um, your presence and the peace that you're wanting to bring in our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray for continued peace in Kim's life and her heart. Uh, Lord, and the rest of the family, Lord. Um, Lord we also uh, yeah, think of the family that's here. Lord, we think of Arlen, we think of Garth, we think of others uh, that were just very directly uh, connected to the, the life of Tova. And, uh, and Father, we pray that peace would reign in their hearts, would rule in their hearts, that you would give them peace beyond understanding and beyond circumstance. Uh, and Lord, I know that as you do that, you will put people in their path that they get to share that peace and that hope and that light with. Uh, and so I pray that you would g continue to give Kim uh, the courage to step into that. Lord, I thank you how she's done that through the various programs, relationship that she's been a part of. Lord, I thank you for Fran, who has done that. Uh, and has given away, Lord, uh, the light and the hope and the peace that you've given her. Uh, and Lord, we look forward to the day uh, when we together with Kim and Tova will celebrate uh, your eternal life, your resurrection together. Uh, and we thank you that we have this hope and that we can, we can be anchored in that. Uh, and it gives us peace for this day. Uh, so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Kim. And Kim, would you mind lighting the third Advent candle for us, the one that represents peace? And let's give Kim a hand and thank her for sharing.
So I was, uh, you know, knowing the story that Kim was going to bring this morning, I didn't quite know how to speak to that. Um, but I thought that I would actually share what I shared um, at uh, Tova's funeral. I had the opportunity to do Tova's funeral. Um, and, uh, and as I was pondering this morning, um, I, just, I just feel like uh, John 11, which is where I shared out, out of on that afternoon, is a beautiful picture of God's response uh, in the midst of these unfixable, unchangeable type of s- scenarios. And so just bear with me as I, it's a longer story, but as I kind of read pieces of it and just share a few thoughts. Uh, now a man named Lazarus was sick. So this is John 11 verse 1. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus the guy was a guy just, you know. Uh, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And I really feel that John 11 uh, is a microcosm of the Christmas story or the incarnation. And the incarnation is just this really fancy word. It comes, you guys know the Spanish word carne? Think of a taco in Mexico, carne asada. Um, it's flesh. It's meat. It's God with meat on. God with flesh on. And I, and I believe that John 11 gives us a beautiful picture of how God puts meat on, puts flesh on, it enters into our world, which is what Christmas is all about. And Jesus here refers to death as sleep. And in the kingdom of God, with the hope that Jesus brings, uh, death is only sleep. And the word sleep here in the Greek is, is referred to a very short time. Uh, the expectation that one would wake in the morning. And we understand the second coming of Jesus, uh, that morning, that, that waking up. And so Jesus refers to this death as sleep. And he's saying, you know, Lazarus, he is dead, but he's actually asleep, that there's going to be a resurrection. And then in verse 17, the story continues. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him and Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. If you had been here, Jesus, where were you? Jesus, where were you when this happened? If you had been here, God, this wouldn't have happened. If you had been here, you could have prevented this. Why God? And we think of the situation in Tova. Why her? Why now? Why in this way? And I can't even attempt to answer these why questions. And believe me that I ask them. Um, But when we want to know what God says about something to our questions, we must look to Jesus. The Bible portrays Jesus as God with flesh on. If you read further in John, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at me. If you want to know what God says, listen to me. Jesus is what God has to say. So we must ask, how did Jesus respond in the midst of this story? Jesus said to her, this is verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, again, same question. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. God, where were you? When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. We, like Martha, like Mary, want Jesus to fix the broken condition of our world, the broken condition of our lives. Jesus, you could have done something. Now, What has fascinated me about the story is that Jesus just talked about that I am the resurrection, the life. That Jesus is the answer. That Jesus has the hope that Mary and Martha are looking for. That Jesus, in a moment, has even said himself that I'm going to raise Lazarus to life. And we have this moment in between the death of Lazarus and the resurrection of Lazarus. And what I can't get over in John 11 is that just because Jesus knows how the story ends does not prevent Jesus from entering into the mess of the story. That Jesus, the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. Think about that for a second. Jesus wept. Knowing very well in a few moments that, resurrec- that resurrection is going to happen, that Lazarus will rise, that he'll have his friend back. But Jesus enters the mess of the moment and he weeps. He weeps with Martha. He weeps with Mary. And it, and it says in the text here that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And, and, and the Greek word behind that is actually like this deep anger this righteous anger that death is an intruder, that death was never God's intent for humanity. And so Jesus in this moment feels anger. He feels mourning. He's weeping with Martha and with Mary at the loss of his friend, at the loss of their brother. It seems to me that Jesus came to do more than just fix what was broken. He came, more to, he came to do more than just fix our brokenness. The anger speaks to this. The, the tears speak to, to this. The biblical narrative reveals a God who continually chooses to be present, often without any immediate change in our circumstances. Being with us is a major part of how God respond, responds to our grief and our suffering. And John refers to the resurrection as a sign. It's fascinating. Throughout the entire gospel of John, John never uses the word miracle. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all use the word miracle. They use the word miracle in the Greek. John uses the word sign because John believes that the miracles that Jesus did is pointing to a future hope and reality. And I've talked about this before, but it's similar to when we when you're driving into Calgary and you see the sign, Welcome to Calgary. You know, you're to park your car and you just, you don't actually enter Calgary, but you just sit at the sign. You're like, that's ridiculous. But that's often uh, what we think about in miracles, that the miracles or these signs were, were the point. But Jesus is saying the resurrection of Lazarus wasn't the point. Uh, the Gospel of John says this is a sign that is pointing to a future hope and reality. The story of resurrection is a sign. It was given to Mary and Martha and it's given to us as a sign. It's the point that points to the point. And sometimes the miracle of the resurrection causes us to miss the miracle of the incarnation. And often we think the miracle in the story is that Jesus resurrected Lazarus. And it's true fascinating 
miracle that gives us future hope for a future resurrection. But the other miracle is that God of the universe put flesh on, entered our mess, grieves with us, weeps with us, struggles with us. Even though he is the future resurrection and hope, it does not prevent him from entering into the mess of the present. And if we go back to the four groups we talked about at the beginning of the service, the reason that these four groups missed Jesus is because they weren't actually anticipating a God that would enter into the mess and not just fix it. And maybe some of you are thinking, Jesus, if you had been here, where are you? And John 11 in the story of Christmas, the incarnation, is God's response saying, I'm right here. I'm not going to necessarily fix it in this moment, but I'm, gonna, I'm the Prince of Peace, and I can bring peace to you that's beyond understanding. Peace. That's what we're looking at this third week of Christmas. I'm going to invite the band to stage. And as we reflect on peace this morning, and you, you hear Kim's story, and as we mentioned in the interview, I don't, I don't know your story. And you might not be able to relate to Kim's story. I can't. But I can relate to things in my life that seem unchangeable or unfixable or outside of my control. And maybe when you've encountered those things or as you're encountering those things in your life, you ask that question like Mary and Martha, Jesus, where are you? If you would have been here, it would have been different. And you're experiencing that chaos and loss of control and you just need some peace. Not a peace that necessarily comes from the exterior, one that comes from just fixing things, but a peace that's deeper than that, that's beyond circumstances, beyond your understanding. And I want to take a moment here before the band leads us to, as we close, just for the Prince of Peace to rule in your hearts. I don't know your story, but I know Jesus, and I know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that peace can rule in your hearts regardless of what you're walking through. And as an invitation just to receive the peace that Christ can bring, I'm just going to invite you, if you have a circumstance in your life that you would just want me to cover in prayer this morning, I'm just going to invite you to stand right now. Like I could use peace in my heart. Is there anyone this morning? Thank you. There's things happening in my life that are not in my control. And I could just use the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. Thank you. Is there anyone else? If there's someone standing beside you, I'll just invite you um, as the body of Christ. Right, that often God shows himself present in the lives of other people through people. Uh, just to reach a hand out if there's someone beside you as I pray, um, if they're comfortable with it, to put a hand on their back or the shoulder as we pray for them. If you're not comfortable with it, just throw their hand off and say, get off me. Um, Jesus, we thank you that you are the Messiah, that you are the Prince of Peace. We thank you that, as your word says, you, as the Prince of Peace, can rule in our hearts, that you can bring peace that's beyond our circumstances, beyond what we even comprehend or understand. And Lord, we know there's stories here this morning represented by those standing that there's, you know, the storms that are going on in their lives, Lord, and we know that there's things that happen in this life that we can't control, that we can't fix. 
But Jesus, we know that you're not a God that just promises to fix it someday, but you're a God that enters into today. You're not a God that's somewhere out there waiting for us to come to heaven at some point, but you're a God that's bringing heaven to earth today. And so, Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would reign, that your Holy Spirit would come. We just say yes, Jesus. We say yes to your Spirit in our hearts. We say yes with those standing. Lord, that your peace would come, it would rule in our hearts. Lord, that we would carry with us a hope and a peace and a light that points people as a sign beyond this dark world to something greater. Lord, I thank you that you're going to fix it someday. I thank you that you're going to make all things right. But Lord, I especially thank you today for that for whatever reason, you're not in a hurry and you're just willing to sit with us and enter into with us what is going on in our lives. Lord, I pray that your presence will be felt and known. In Jesus' name, amen. As we were worshiping there at the end, I just felt the sense that um, there's some here, um, someone or some folks here that something has happened in your life that you've blamed God for. invite you to reflect on the Jesus that weeps in John 11. That God is like Jesus and that God is a good God. And that we live in a broken world. Um, and because of sin, death and suffering is part of our reality. Uh, because God is a loving being that created creatures with free will to choose to love him back, we also have the freedom to choose evil, to choose sin, to choose wrongdoing. Um, and God wants you to know that he weeps with you. That whatever that peace is that you might be blaming him for, that he, he didn't do that. But he can use that. And he can be present with you in the midst of that. So I invite you this week to focus on the Jesus that weeps one that enters in with you and the one that gives you a hope that's beyond this world. Uh, there's prayer teams that will be available down at the front on both sides and also in the foyer at the prayer banner. Uh, if you'd like to receive prayer for anything, uh, maybe it relates to this, maybe it relates to something else. Maybe it's a praise item. Maybe it's a, um, a healing that you're, you're needing. I, I would invite you to come to our prayer teams to bring that. Let me just send you out with Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Can you guys say rejoice? And in my Bible, it has rejoice with like an exclamation mark. So um, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Go in peace. See you next week.